Welcome back to another edition of the Perblight Podcast. This is the 11th episode of Perb Take, where we do a weekly review of all the biggest news in sports. This is Jamin White joined with Adam Goldsboro and Tyler Zeman. Today we'll be talking about March Madness, some NFL free agency moves, and the retirement of Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski. All right, first we're going to head over to Tyler Zeman, who's going to give us a quick rundown of the round of 64 from March Madness. So in the first game on Thursday, the madness already began. Minnesota upsetting Louisville 86-76. And then moving down, LSU versus Yale. It was a pretty good game, as some predicted. Yale only lost by five to uh, a pretty good LSU team. And then Murray State obviously getting it done against Marquette. 83-64, and then the big big game um, on Friday, the big upset was UC Irvin beating Kansas State 70-64. to That's pretty massive. I think everybody kind of saw Kansas State getting through. It was one of those games that didn't really question or not a lot of people talked about, but, you know, UC Irvin gets it done there. Um, Oregon upsetting Wisconsin. And they did it in a pretty easy fashion, 72-54. Not even close. I think one of the most interesting games, especially the way it started, Iowa playing Cincinnati. Because um, I, I might have been watching physics class. That's up for debate. Not, that doesn't need to be discussed. But it was like 18-4, to 4 and Iowa had shot 0-6 for 6 in, like the last, in like the first uh, four minutes of the game. So it was... Incredible to see them coming back and win 79-72 over the favored uh, Cincinnati Bearcats. Yep, and then um, UCF and VCU, uh, one of the, another game that was uh, very, uh, a lot of hype surrounding it uh, with, you know, two eight and nine uh, seeded teams going at it. But UCF and Taco Falls get it done, 73-58. Again, pretty easy win for them. Uh, nothing... Uh, nothing else pretty much there and then Ohio State upsetting Iowa State which is surprising Iowa State are a very strong team and tend to go and tend to play very good in March like just in the previous years they've gone pretty deep and have won some pretty tough games but not this year Ohio State beat them 62-59 yeah so needless to say a very interesting first opening round all right next we're going to head over to Adam who's going to give us a quick rundown of the round of 32 from March Madness all right, so probably easily the best game of the second round had to be Duke versus UCF. It was definitely a game that you didn't expect Duke to really struggle in, but UCF came out to play. They were playing tough defense all game long. Taco Fall was holding down the paint, and Aubrey Dawkins really put on a performance. Unfortunately, he uh, missed that last tip in that he's probably made a hundred times, but you know, that stuff happens. But either way, UCF definitely put up a great fight. And you can see that maybe there were questionable calls about Zion not getting the charge on that last and one. Or even that Taco Fall probably shouldn't have fouled out. But, you know, either way, it was definitely a hard-fought game. And I think it just proves that Duke definitely was able to win the game. And maybe I think Mike Sobczewski said it after the game that they – really didn't deserve to win he thought that UCF definitely deserved to win but you know that's just the way it goes in March sometimes you know you'd expect a big upset but it turns out that it was not really an upset yeah it was definitely one of the best games of the tournament so far though and maybe moving forward as well 
Yeah, sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I guess the one thing, obviously, R.J. Barrett kind of did push off whenever he got that last rebound off the free throw, but... Or you could just say that the guy didn't box out hard enough, which is probably what happened, but... Either way, good, either way. good on Duke for holding it together after losing the lead, but... Some other games uh, moving down the bracket. Uh, Iowa against Tennessee. Tennessee was a heavy favorite in this game against the Tennessee uh, Hawkeyes. Um, and they were down pretty much the whole game. Iowa took pretty steady control, but Tennessee moved into control the final seconds of the of regulation to push it to overtime. They would win 83-77 to in a super close, super interesting game that could have resulted in a big upset, but once again, better to be lucky. And not good, you know. Um, North Carolina embarrassed Washington. Not a huge surprise there. They were they were probably the best uh, team in the Pac-12 other than Gonzaga this year, but North, North Carolina's no slouch. Um, Auburn-Kansas, that was an exciting game that kind of went back and forth, but uh, evidently um, the Jayhawks just could not put up enough of a fight against the Tigers, and they're moving on. Um, and let's, let's talk about Houston- kicking the crap out of Ohio State. I think now, obviously, Houston is, compared to Ohio State, not even in the conversation most of the time. Ohio State's just such a big fan base. Zeman, I think you could speak on this. What is it like to see a team like Ohio State get kicked out in this uh, early round? I mean, you know, Ohio State's not really known for their basketball, but, Except for when they had D'Angelo Russell, but that's about it. That's but about still. it. Yeah, but like like year in and year out, you don't really expect too much. It's it's mainly about fo- about the football. But you know, the just like that the bad run they went on in the second half just it really hurt them. You know that that's why the the margin's so big. Like when you don't score a point for eight minutes or so, it's the, you're not things, gonna beat Houston. Yeah, these things yeah, tend to happen. Yeah, but I mean. Houston Houston's a pretty good team and obviously no, uh third rank in that in their part of the uh bracket and you know they they still have a pretty good future in this tournament but I honestly personally I did not think Ohio State was going to get past Iowa State in the first round I even picked against Ohio State which I I regret I regret but <laughs> you know I mean I guess it's I guess it's better to be honest you know than That's true that's fair yeah. But moving forward, this Sweet 16 is going to look great. We have matchups. Uh, number three, Houston taking on number two, Kentucky. Number one, North Carolina taking on what's been a very tough uh, number five, Auburn. Uh, number three, Purdue taking on number two, Tennessee. Number one, Virginia taking on number 12, Oregon. That's going to be a good game. Yeah. You think? I don't like it. You think it'll be close? I think it'll be a really good point guard matchup. I don't know how much it'll be close because yeah. Peyton Pritchard for Oregon, I haven't – I. I remember whenever I heard I saw a stat line after the first game, he I remembered him from back in his days in high school. I I, I hadn't heard of him since, but he's definitely been putting in work in college. I just didn't notice about, it, and I and I definitely think that he could maybe be a difference maker for Oregon. Oregon Oregon is that is that lower seed team that's that's moving along, you know, and they're they're on fire. Their offense is clicking and their defense is clicking. So, who do you think? Well, okay. they're the lowest ranked seed left in the tournament. Do you think this is the official Cinderella team of the year? If they win against Virginia, it will be. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd also say against Virginia. I mean, they had to beat UC Irving last round, you know, not really 
a team that well no one expected UC Urban to do anything exactly so So, like all right you know you get you get kind of lucky there not having to play Kansas State but then you know beating Wisconsin in the first round Big Ten basketball is pretty competitive, and yeah. Wisconsin was one of those competitive teams this year. Pac-12 not really known for their basketball, you know, very quiet kind of yeah. side or uh, conference, you know, alongside like basketball or in the basketball um, frame. But you know, I think if they beat Virginia, definitely Cinderella team. They will be interesting to see what they do. The rest of the matchups we have number three Texas Tech taking on number two Michigan, uh, number one Gonzaga taking on number four Florida State. Then uh, number three, LSU taking on number two, Michigan State. And number one, Duke taking on number four, Virginia Tech. I said Virginia Tech would win that game. I think seeing what Duke did against UCF, I don't – I feel I feel pretty okay with my yeah, choice. because if Duke – they – I'm going to be honest, they can't shoot other than Cam Reddish. So, I mean, that was a problem you saw down the stretch in the UCF game. They just couldn't hit shots. Right. But, you know, and Virginia they're, Tech, they're, from they're what I know, is seeing, a better shooting team than Duke. So. Right, and they're not used to seeing that kind of pressure either. Like, yeah. they knew they were behind, and they, they didn't really know how to react. Yeah. Still won, but... Yeah, I think it'll definitely be an interesting game. It'll, yeah. ha- it'll be very competitive, I think, from this point forward. I don't, I don't expect any more blowouts, really. Duke also has this pro, uh, history of choking in March. Right. You know? I mean, they get the high seeds and look like they have a pretty easy run to... Sweet 16, Elite 8. I would say Kentucky chokes more. And so on. But, like, just... Still, this is Duke's thing. Yeah, against... Even against these smaller sides, or smaller, yeah, schools and, you know, uh, higher-ranked opponents. Oh, it will certainly be interesting. That's why they call it March Madness, ladies and gentlemen. All right, and here to talk about NFL free agency moves is uh, Jamin. All right, so there's been some questionable moves, some groundbreaking moves, um... I think the best move, and I hate to say it, but Le'Veon Bell going to the Jets is going to be a major game changer. Um, whatever you have to say about Le'Veon Bell, he is a talent, talented football player despite what he chooses to do off the field and what he chooses to say about his teammates on the field. But I think this is going to be a great uh, asset for Sam Darnold, who showed glimpses of greatness last year. This, the Jets have a uh, strong defense developing. I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be the perfect uh, piece to move uh, that team forward in that division. Um, the Ravens went big. First of all, they shredded a lot of their defensive starters, like um, Terrell Suggs. He went to Arizona, I believe. Um, shredded their secondary. They did pick up uh, Earl Thomas. Don't know if he's worth the money that they gave him at this point. Just broke his leg last year. He's proven to be somewhat of an issue for an organization in the locker room you know with tensions flying and he's an older safety so production I'm sort of wary this defense is not going to be nearly as good as it has been but I think Mark Ingram Mark Ingram uh, running back from the New Orleans Saints is going to be similarly used as uh, Le'Veon Bell will be in New York as Lamar Jackson's officially taken over this team as the starter and Joe Flacco's out of town Speaking of which, Joe Flacco went to the Broncos. Case Keenum went to the Redskins. That sucks. Alex Smith is probably maybe never going to play football again, and they got Case Keenum. That sucks. Uh, Nick Foles went to Jacksonville. Jacksonville has a great defense, a great running game behind Leonard Fournette, and we've seen this is very similar to what 
uh, has transpired in Philadelphia with a great defense and a great running game. So maybe Nick Foles can re uh, repeat some of that magic. Um, and he has Tom Coughlin, who made Eli Manning look like a star behind a great defense and a pretty decent running game behind people like uh, Tiki Barber and uh, Maude Bradshaw for years in New York. So I don't know. What do you think, Zeman? Um, you know, going back to the Ravens, it's it's kind of confusing what they're trying to get at. I mean, you release or you you let go three uh, older defense, like veteran defensemen, but in return you pick up an older man to kind of like replace it or like replace them and kind of keep the star defense or star-studded defense you had in, in Baltimore, you know. It it's kind of confusing because, at first glance, you look you look at them giving away those three guys. They're they're building for the future, right? You know, young offense, and you know super young offense. Yeah, and you look you're like all right, maybe they're trying to bring in this young defense too. They're building for the future. They might not be good next year because of Lamar Jackson. You know, settling in for his first official like full season. Granted, if he stays healthy, but you know, then they bring in Earl Thomas. And they kind of take a step backwards, you know, in yeah. that sense. And so, they easily could have went after Tyron Matthew, who went to the Chiefs. Yeah, but, I mean, as Matthew said, he, he wants to go win the ring. He wants right. to go get that ring, and you're not going to get that at in at the Ravens. So, you know, it doesn't matter at that point how much money you put down on the table for him. You know, he's already kind of said money's out the issue or out the window. He, he just wants that ring. He's on the downside of his career, you know, you could say. And it's it's time for him to go uh, kind of build that legacy through championships now for him. Right. So whether it is getting paid or, you know, winning a ring, I think a lot of these players lucked out. Some of these yeah. teams, not so sure about. I'm scared for the Redskins and the Giants. There's no way they're going to be able to compete with the Eagles and the Cowboys this year. Um, I think the AFC South has just got even more interesting, I think, Titans are at the bottom of that division. The Colts, the Texans, and the Jaguars are going to be pretty competitive. Um, AFC North will be interesting. I don't think the Steelers are out of it, but I think Cleveland definitely has a better chance. Yep. And just speaking on the strength of divisions at this point, uh, all-star and uh, multiple Pro Bowl tight end uh, from the Patriots, Rob Gronkowski, has announced his retirement over the weekend via a uh, Instagram post. Um, sort of uh, saying how thankful he was to be drafted and given this opportunity by uh, Robert Kraft. Ooh, forgot about Robert Kraft. And uh, Bill Belichick, and uh, playing alongside of people like Tom Brady and uh, you know, Randy Moss. And so, so many great players uh, from the Patriots have come out and said uh, what a great teammate and player he was. But at this point, what does this mean for Gronk's legacy? Well, I mean, obviously he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. Like you can't, obviously, you can't disregard that. Obviously, you you can't disregard that. Like he's just been so good. His stats, you know, each and every year have been pretty good. And you you could say he's he's been a key role for the Patriots in getting to the Super Bowl. He's been he's been a big option for Brady. Yeah. And you know, from from him announcing his retirement, there have been a lot of uh, rumors going around that if. If Brady needs Aaron, if the Patriots are in trouble and Brady needs somebody, Gronk might just be a phone call away and returning for like the end of next season. I don't know, man. It, it could just be one of those short things. And honestly, 
they have that they they have that type of relationship. They you do. Know, you, you you can feel it. Like yeah. you can kind of you can see it on the field too. Like their chemistry and stuff. They have that relationship where you know if somebody need if Brady needs help, you know Gronk has always been there on the field and off the field. Yeah, I don't know. Guaranteed Hall of Famer. I feel like it's a stretch a little bit. You like a tight end who plays similar to like Tony Gonzalez and Shannon Sharp. I mean, they always showed up. You know, granted injuries happen, but. Gronk was hurt so many times in his career and has played maybe one full season of football. Yeah. I'm so gonna... that'll hurt him, but he does have the rings. Yeah, like individually, his his success, like with winning championships, compared to Brady obviously winning six, you know, isn't isn't there. But like his his efforts to help his team in general be successful and kind of being that team player, I think gives him the attribute of being a Hall of Famer. It's close. It's there. You know, no one's going to argue, or I guess technically no one's going to argue anymore, but no one would argue Jerry Rice getting into the Hall of Fame when his induction day was up. But at the same time, he played with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks for most of his career. He is still great. Like, I mean, you know, he's Jerry Rice, he, but yeah. you could see why someone would count that against Gronk in, like, a similar sense. Yeah, he did make, he did make a name for him, both Jerry Rice and Gronk. Yeah. You know, they both made names for themselves. It wasn't just through, you know, through their quarterbacks. Like, Anto- like the criticism Antonio Brown has been getting, you know, how, like, Ben made Antonio Brown, and, you know, the Steelers made Antonio Brown, and without without those two factors, Antonio Brown wouldn't be where he's at today. Well, I certainly don't think he does it with Charlie Batch. Yeah. But I think Larry Fitzgerald's maybe the great, uh, greatest wide receiver ever to have mediocre quarterbacks his entire career. So, I don't know. I mean, the debate is certainly up there. I don't think he's the greatest tight end of all time, but he was certainly a game-breaker, and the Steelers have seen that the last couple of years for sure in devastating losses. But moving forward, I hope he enjoys retirement. He's probably going to get a lot of money doing a lot of TV. So yeah, I think he'll be fine. Or losing a lot of money doing stupid stuff, as we've seen in the past. <laughs> I guess we will see. This has been another edition of the Perp Light Podcast, Perp Take, where we do a weekly review of all the biggest news in sports. This has been Jamie White, joined by Adam Goldsboro and Tyler Zeman, now signing off.